0: السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله قال رب شح لي صدر وييسر لي أمر وحل الأقدام من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم أزيدنا علما وبراءة وامتنان وشكر وعزة وامتنان وشكر وعزة وامتنان Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdillah wa peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. So last week, alhamdulillah, we did verses 19 and 20 and I mentioned that there were some important points that can be taken from these two verses. So number one, It is encouraged to seek knowledge and discuss it because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala awoke them for this purpose. So remember, they were sleeping for over a period of years, right? Quite a long period of years, they were asleep. And obviously, those people that were with them. At that time, that call to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has long passed away. So, there wasn't actually a reason for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to wake them up. He could have left them in the cave, let them sleep. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala woke them up for a few reasons. The first one of them being to seek knowledge. Because what happens now? The one, there was, remember there was a conversation, how long did we sleep? Sleep for a day or a portion of a day, then we send someone else out to go buy food. Then obviously you had coins, ancient coins. Obviously people realized who they were. Then also amongst themselves they would ask questions, but why did we sleep? Why did we do this? So from here the ulama derive that it is encouraged to seek knowledge, and once you went out and you learned and you attained knowledge, there's no problem with discussing knowledge amongst your peers. I remember when we studied at the Islamic University of Medina. then a lot of your learning took place after you studied yourself and you had discussions with your colleagues, with your peers or group study and you pick up much more discussing the ill then just studying on your own. Because he comes with a different angle, he comes, he says, yeah, but I read in this book, he read in that book, and you bring all this knowledge together. Having said that, in order for you to discuss something of Ilm, you must have knowledge. Right? I cannot walk into the theater, the operating theater, and start discussing how to do a heart transplant but I've never studied anything. So like that with deen as well. I can't just come here and we strike up a conversation. No, but I think should be done like this. Or why can't we stand like this? Right? So having proof and knowing what you're talking about, having knowledge of that subject is extremely important and Allah knows best. Number two, the proper etiquette to follow in the event of being uncertain about an issue of knowledge. That it should be referred to someone who knows about it. As Allah says, Ask those who know. You're not going to go to a mechanic to build your house. Right? You need a design of your house? You're going to go to the architect. Right? You're not going to go to an electrician. So like that, with the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're going to go to those who have studied. Those who know the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And many a times people fall into these mistakes. Even amongst ourselves, amongst our brothers that instead of asking those that studied, they asked the other brother, but what do you think? Uh, you know, we can just discuss it ourselves and it's fine. It does not work like that. We need to ask those who know and we need to follow proper etiquette when trying to figure out issues of knowledge. At point number three, it is valid or it is permissible to delegate someone to buy and sell on behalf of another person and to have partners in doing so. So I have a car, right? And I tell the brother, it's fine, you can sell my car on behalf of me. There's no problem with this, right? And Sheikh Taala, as well as um, Sheikh Shinkiti, they have a very long discussion, right? under this verse about this type of bay, about this type of transaction which is allowed and they explain and they go into various details. Obviously time does not allow us and this as I mentioned before, right, this is the beauty of tafsir. The beauty of tafsir is that it links up all the Islamic sciences into one lesson. Right? So for example Ibn Kathir, he brings a hadith, maybe the hadith is a taif. Maybe some questions about the Hadith. So now you need to go back to the books of Mustalah. Why is the Hadith ta'if? Why is this person narrating like this? Is he a weak narrator, etc.? Then maybe under here now, under this verse now it brings what? Fiqh. So now you need to go to kitab Buyu. right? And this is also the beauty of when you were a student and when you were studying. That all the sciences, somehow they link They interlink somehow or another. You're not just going to study Nahu and that's it. You're going to study Nahu, but you're going to use that Nahu that you studied for all your other sciences. When you study Usulul Fiqh, the ulama of Hadith are also going to discuss what the Usuliyun said. And the Usuliyun is going to discuss what the ulama of Hadith said. So you can never just say, Oh no, that I studied Usulul Fiqh and that's all I studied. Or I'm just a faqee and that's it. Yes, you can maybe master certain signs. But you need to have an understanding and an overview of all the sciences. That is extremely important. The next point, it is permissible to eat good food. Right? Nothing wrong with this. But obviously, we try to keep it healthy and Allah knows best so long as the author says so long as it does not go to the extent of extravagance and as we know extravagance is prohibited in Islam because Allah tells us and he teaches us that they said and find out which is the best food to be eaten Yani to have and bring some to you so those that went out not everyone went out but those one or two that left, bring us food. What type of food? Bring us good food. So we can also enjoy of it. Right? Remember, we spoke last week and we said what tends to happen after a long sleep you get? Hungry. So <laughs> I imagine they sleep for years. Right? I'm sure they must have been hungry, and Allah knows best. Also, the next point it is encouraged to be cautious and to keep a low profile sometimes in life it's better not to be known but to be known by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I knew a man a very friendly person down to earth guy and you would hear maybe he did this and he did that and he helped this organization or he did this whatever. When the man passed away. Right, after his death. Then only people realized what this man actually did. Then they realized how many people reverted to Islam at his hands. Then they realized that he built a masjid. Then they realized that he would go every Friday, drive out of Cape Town for about an hour to an hour and a half, right, it, going and coming came to about three hours, every single Friday, to give a Juma But when he was alive, no one knew. And this is how it should be. But sometimes, social media, sometimes our WhatsApp statuses, takes the better of us and we need to put up everything I share a hadith I must put my face to the hadith I'm fasting on a Monday and Thursday people must know that I'm fasting It's is not part of Islam I remember we were in first kitab, yes first year the kitab of Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab and had a very old teacher, right? Rahim Allah Ta'ala, I think he's passed on. And he was very monotone, right? He would just come in the, Qala Rahim Allah Ta'ala, and he reads. Right? But he used to have these questions, like maybe about 300 questions you had to write for the exam. And your exam would come from those questions. But when we did the chapter, and there's something. Subhanallah that always stood out for me. When we did the chapter of Riyah, right, this chapter comes in Kitābu Tawḥīd, right, Babu Riyah, the chapter on, showing off. And he spoke specifically about the Sunan fasts. You know, those that you fast on a Monday and a Thursday or the 13th, 14th and 15th. Right, which many people unfortunately don't do. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that we can fulfill this sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what happens? So the Sheikh says that you fasting on these days, no one's supposed to know that you're fasting, correct? Because generally most people are not fasting. So he says that even for you on that day to take someone and you tell him, you know what? Come with me, let's break our fast together. He says that action on that particular day, because it's a sunnah fast, could end up in riyah, could end up in showing off. So we should always try to be sincere and do things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the next point he says that Allah tells us how evil could lead to harm and corruption that should make one hate it and keep away from this. Any form of evil, whether it's a small form, whether it's a big form, always try to stay away because we find that this was the way of the Salafus Salih. This was the way of the pious predecessors, that they would always try to stay away from anything evil and anything bad but rather they would go towards something and implement something that takes them back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَذَٰلِكَ أَعْثَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَنَّ وَعَدَ اللَّهِ حَقْ وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا إِذْ يَتَنَازَعُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَمْرَهُمْ فَقَالُ بَنُوْ عَلَيْهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِهِمْ قَالَ الَّذِينَ غَلَبُوا عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِمْ لَنَتَّخِذَنَّ عليهم مسجدا. So translation, and thus we made the case known to the people that they might know that the promise of Allah is true. And that there can be no doubt about the hour. And remember, when they, the people of the city, disputed amongst themselves about the case of these young men. So they said to them, construct a building over them, and the Lord knows best about them. Then those who won their point said, most probably, yani it was the disbelievers, that verily or indeed we shall build a place of worship over them. So this verse, right, has some, Issues that we need to discuss. The first point is here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he caused that the people find out about the youth of the cave. That's point number one. That Allah made it such that the people would find out that they were the youth of this cave. And how did they find this out? One of the ways was that they realized when they came to buy food. And, they were inst- and when they instructed the one that went out to buy food, to be cautious and keep a low profile. But Allah Azza wa Jal, He willed something that was in the interest, or in the people's best interest. And that it would increase the reward of the youth of the cave. Which was that the people would see in them a visible sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes you see someone, Right, and this reminds you of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You look at the person's humility, you look at his tawadu'a, and this reminds you of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Or it makes you want to study the Deen of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And here we also need to understand that not every person wearing a long beard, or not every person wearing a turban, or not every person wearing a jubah is a pious person. Right? So you need to obviously look at this person's actions. You need to see that he's someone following the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf. Sometimes you might find a person, mashallah, dressed in the beautiful Islamic garb, but he's preaching and he's calling to other than Allah He's calling to worship himself. He's calling to worship in the dead. He's calling to worship in the graves. Right? So it's important to also. Know who you take knowledge from and who you follow. So what happens here afterwards is that the people would see in them a visible sign of Allah that we discuss now. To show that the promise of Allah is true. That indeed, Inna Allahi haq. That indeed the promise of Allah is the truth. As what does Allah say in the Quran? Wa man min Allahi qila, Wa man min Allahi haditha. That whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says is the truth. Right? Know that whatever Allah has said is the truth. And know whatever Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says is the truth as well. Okay, we understand you speak about Allah. But how do you come to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Open Surah Tul najm Second and third verse. Third and fourth. Wa ma anil hawa in huwa illa wahyun yuha. That he did not speak out of his own accord. We inspired him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he spoke. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this attitude towards the hadith of Rasulullah Hadith. It's just a hadith. Or we just, you know, we don't even follow. Why? Because the verse maybe says this and the hadith seems to go against the verse. So we scrap the hadith. Whether it comes in Bukhari, whether it comes in Muslim, whether it's authentic. No, it's fine. But how many verses in the Quran doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he speaks about him, then he speaks about Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well. Something to ponder about. So the promise of Allah is true beyond any shadow of a doubt. And it is not something that is far-fetched or unlikely after the people had been disputing about the matter. Some of them believed in the promise of resurrection and requital. Whilst others denied it. Thus Allah caused the story to increase the believers in insight and certainty. And to establish proof against those who denied it. So here we're speaking about what? That the promise of Allah is true and that there is a day of Qiyamah. Every soul is going to taste death. Whether you like it or not. Whether you're in a tall building. As Allah mentions in Surah An-Nisa in the first Jews. That even if you're going to aynama That wherever you might find yourselves. That your death is going to come to you. Even if you're in a high tall or high rise tall building. Purujam mushayyada. And know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will still take your life wherever you are. The story of Nabi Musa. <coughs> right? Malikil Maud came. What happened? <laughs> now, What happened? Anyone? Hadith in Bukhari. And what happened then? No. He punched him. Yeah. Right? He punched him. The hadith says that he punched him. Then he went back and he came back and Nabi Musa asked. He says, put your hand basically on the bull or the cow. And whatever is you touch, you can live as long. And he asked him, What about after that? He said, Then you will die. So he says, Take my life. Right? So death is inevitable. No. Right? How we approach that, that's another story, that's for another day. But what we're trying to get, Alhamdulillah everyone here believes that, in death and believes that we're going to be resurrected. But here Allah is speaking to those, to the kuffar, to the mushrikun, that know that you are going to die as well, and this is the truth of Allah. Whether you like it or not, you are going to die. So Allah caused The story to become well known and he raised them in status until they were held in high esteem by those who discovered them. Who said, build a structure over them. Allah knows best about them and what their ultimate fate will be. So those who prevailed in this matter were the people in authority, those people in charge. And they said, "We will surely build a place of worship over them." So now this has a bit of an issue because we know that worshiping Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, we worship in the masjid. Wa anna al masajid alillahi falad tada'u allahi ahaada. Wa anna al masajid and the masjid offer Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for His worship. الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا مَعَ اللَّهِ ahada. So do not call on anyone else besides Allah Azzawajal. So this is understood. So now it brings to another question, but they are saying build up a masjid for them. Meaning they've passed away already now. So let's build a masjid in remembrance for them or on their graves. So this is something that is obviously not allowed as the Prophet Sallallahu he forbade this and he criticized those who did it. The fact that it is mentioned here does not mean that it is not blameworthy. Understood? Rather the context here has to do with veneration of the people of the cave and praise for them and tells us that the respect of those who found out about them reached such a level that they decided to build a place of worship over them. After the people of the cave had been so afraid of their own people and had taken precautions to avoid being discovered, then matters turned out as you see. So who took the cave? Who built this masjid? The people in authority. authority. Did they themselves order this, the youth? No, No, they didn't. Right? Understood? Mm. Imam Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala. It comes in the biography of Imam An-Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala, the famous Shafi'i scholar. That he was against building over graves. And this was in his wasiyah and in many of his books as well. That do not build over my grave. And when he passed away They built Right He's buried in Syria They built over his grave And what happens Basically a tree grows Out to Break the Structure So sometimes You don't do something Right But people does something In or on behalf of you Right Another famous example Is that of Abdul Qadir Jilani Rahim Ta'ala a famous humble scholar, a famous saint as well. But what people ascribe to him is totally different. What he had in his life. He was a man of Tawhid. Opened the, the tabaqat of the Hanabilah. right? The tabaqat books are basically the books that speaks about the men. right? So you'll have tabaqat al-Shafi'iyyah. So all the Shafi'i ulama over the years they come in these books. Where were they born? Where did they study? Etc. What year? Who was their students? Who was their teachers? So like that you have this for every madhab and you have the tabaqatu hanabilah as well. So you will find him there as a humble scholar. And if you look at the man's true life and you look at what people ascribe to him, then it's bayna samawati wal art. Right? It's between the heavens and the earth. Right. So sometimes you want something but people do something else and there's nothing you can do about it. So let's see what Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi sallam says Aisha Anha May Allah be pleased with her, said The Messenger of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said May Allah curse the Jews La'ana Allah al wa nasara May Allah curse the Jews and the Christians for they have taken the graves of the prophets as places of worship. Right? He says, may the curse, that they have taken the graves of the prophets as worship. In another hadith, Aisha says, he was warning the Muslims against doing that, what the previous nations have done. And she says, had it not been for that the grave of Rasulullah mm-hmm. would have been made prominent, but he was afraid that it might be taken place as a place of worship. So here we find hadith that says that do not take graves as worship. We find also here the Mufassirun, they explain that this was the people in authority. So can this be used by Ahlul bidah by the people of taṣawwuf as proof that Allah says in the Quran that they took Their place of burial or they took their masjid as a place of worship? No, it cannot and Allah knows best. So people, they use the story of the people of the cave to support their arguments that it is allowed. And what does the verse say? Then those who won their point said most probably that this believers, we will verily or we shall verily build a place of worship over them. So, the answer to this claim is that Allah has told us about the leaders and powerful people of that time and that they said these words. Again, the people, the authority, said these words. So, that does not imply that He liked that or approved of them. Rather, He said by the way of blaming them and condemning the action. This is indicated by the fact. That Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam to whom this verse was revealed and who was the most knowledgeable of people as to how it should be interpreted. That's understood. right? No one denies that. The Qur'an was sent to who? To Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa sallam via Jibril alaihi right? Less than two weeks we are heading into the month of the Qur'an. Shahru Ramadan al unzila Qur'an That the month of Ramadan, this is the month in which the Qur'an was being revealed. To who? To Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Via who? Via Jibreel alayhi wa sallam. So if anyone had to interpret the Quran or give knowledge on the Quran, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if there was a problem, or there was nothing wrong with taking the masjid or the grave and building a masjid and taking it as a place of worship, would he have said, would he have cursed the Jews and the Christians for taking the places of the um, maqabir of the prophets as places of worship? Would he have done that? No. So today you claim people claim uh, that we are most knowledgeable in tafsir, alhamdulillah. Right? So imagine the Quran was revealed to him. So if anyone knew the tafsir the best, it would have been Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, like we mentioned, he forbade his ummah to pull masks over the graves and he warned them against doing this and he cursed and condemned those who did that. And if that had been permissible, then as I mentioned, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would have not discouraged it. In such a harsh way, in such an emphatic term, and gone to the extent of cursing. Right? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa There are ahadith where he cursed certain tribes as well, where he cursed certain things. And when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam curses, it must be something serious. Because generally, the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, if you read his seerah, he was not someone that would curse unnecessarily. He was not someone that would swear unnecessary. Swear in the sense of that, rebuking someone. So this is sufficient to convince the seeker of truth. Even if we were to assume that building places of worship over graves were permitted to those who came before us. And it is not permissible for us to follow the example in that. Because our sharia, abrogates the laws that came before it. This is something important as well. That our Sharia, walhamdulillah, it abrogated certain practices. For example, if you look in the story of Nabi Yusuf, right? what do you find there? Yani sujud. For example, to who? At the end of the surah to his parents, etc., when they went on the throne. Correct? What does Allah say in Surah baqarah as well? fasajadu illa iblis That everyone made sujood to Nabi Adam except exceptu? Right? So they say this of, was an sujood of what? Sujood of worship? No. But rather a sujood of? To show that? ta'zim, veneration. So we find that, and even if they were sujood in the past for worship, mm-hmm. then Islam abrogated this, and Allah Azzawajal knows best. So, the Sheikh, he basically just carries on, and he explains about um, bringing proofs and explaining that you do not build oh, right? mosques over graves, and Allah knows best. So, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He says, سيقولون ثلاثه رابعهم كلبهم ويقولون خمسة سادسهم كلبهم رجم بالغيب ويقولون سبعه ثامنهم كلبهم Kalbuhum رب اعلم بعدتهم ما يعلمهم الا قليل فلا تمار الا miraan ظاهرا ولا تستفت فيهم منهم so translation that some they say that they were three the dog being the fourth amongst them others say they were five the dog being the sixth guessing at the unseen rajman bil ghaib yet others say they were seven and the dog being the eighth right take note of this Say, O Muhammad, my Lord knows best their number and none knows them but a few. So debate not about their number, except with a clear proof which we have revealed to you. And consult not any of them, the people of the scripture, the Jews and the Christians, about the affair of the people of the cave. So, it's the people of the cave in the other and No. Right, so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us of the difference of opinion amongst the people of the book regarding the number of the people of the cave. And this difference stemmed from Rajmam bil Ghaib, from guesswork, about a matter of the unseen. So, this is a lesson for us as well. Mm -hmm. Leave the matters of the unseen for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't involve yourself in the matters of the unseen. <laughs> مَفَاتِحُ الْغَيْبُ لَا يَعْلَمُ <laughs> And none knows the matters of the unseen except <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Hadith Jibril Right, that long hadith What is Iman, what is Islam, what is Ihsan When they asked the Prophet Sallallahu About the Sa'a About the time, about the time Of when Resurrection will be, what did he say That the person, Na'am. the person Asking Is like the, the person that has been Asked to, meaning you asking me something that you don't know And I also don't know But I can tell you what is the science mm-hmm. So no sheikh or no peer or no hazrat can tell you That Qiyamah is going to be on this day Kajal is going to come now And things like that It's impossible Rajman bil ghaib This is what they're doing They're just trying to Get things from the unseen They're just trying to do guesswork And Allah knows best so here there are three views amongst us Some of them say that there were three of them And the dog was the fourth Some of them say there were five of them And the dog was the sixth What does Allah say after these two views? Rajmam bil ghaib That this is guessing into the unseen Which indicates that both of these views are incorrect, null and void Then they said that There is seven of them and the dog is the eighth one. Does Allah say Rajman Bil Ghaib? No, He doesn't. So this and Allah knows best is the correct view because Allah stated after the first two verses, Rajman Bil Ghaib, but here He doesn't say that. But still at the end of the day, there's no need to be discussing this. And this is a point that I would like to highlight. That sometimes we waste our time discussing issues that's not going to affect. Where's, where's the cave of the of these youth? Is it going to give you a higher place in Jannah to know that? Valid question. Did Nabi Yusuf marry Zuleika? Is that going to increase your Jannah? Is your Iman going to increase? You should ask yourself some of these things before going into debates. Allah, well, like I've seen, right, and especially among students. They will debate the last thing They'll sit from after Isha Till Fajr on the weekend debating something That's not even going to increase your Iman Or make your status raise in Jannah So remember this That some things there's no need for a debate Some things We don't need to discuss And go into a lot of detail And Allah knows best the next two verses Allah says, Wala kulanna li shayin inni fa ilun, dhali ka Illa ayyasha, Allahu wath ku rabbaka, izanaseet, wa kul asa ayyah. Tini rabbi, and then? Carry on. Leakram minhada, rashada. Right? And never say of anything, "That I shall do such a such a thing tomorrow," except that I will say, "Insha'Allah," if mm-hmm. Allah wills. Mm-hmm. And remember your Lord when you forget, and say, "It may be that my Lord guides me unto a nearer way of truth than this." Mm-hmm. So we discussed this verse at the beginning, either in the first lesson or the second lesson, correct? I think the first lesson, right? Where we did the sabab al-Nuzul, the reasons of revelation, so I'm not going to go into that again, right? So here we find the prohibition is like others, although it was addressed to Rasulullah Sallallahu for a specific reason and that reason we discussed, but no, that is also applicable to all accountable individuals here. Yeah. That, and I mentioned this as well, Al-ibra bil-umum la bi sabab. Al-ibra, the lessons are in general, la bi sabab, and not specific for the reason that it is given. Understood? Taib. So Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about what? Saying Inshallah Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam A group of people came Asked him about the cave About the youth of the cave He did not He said I will get back to you Without saying Inshallah If Allah wills This is a lesson for all of us How many times do we say something And then we just forget Nothing Nothing comes through Because we forgot to say Inshallah There is something under Inshallah That I would like to highlight Right And this is That when there's a du'a been made, Mm. or a du'a been given, or you say a du'a, Mm. may Allah cure you. Then do not say inshallah amin. Mm. Because this is like telling Allah azza wa jal, yeah if you want to then just do this Allah. Right? No. So when you say, you say amin, you make a du'a, you say amin, may Allah accept this. Mm. You don't say if Allah wills, may Allah. Right, this is bad. Adab Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions this in a hadith as well. Also when you say inshallah be sincere. Right. A bit of a joke. the right, people they always say. What type of inshallah are you saying? Are you saying a proper inshallah or are you saying a Hanafi inshallah? So they say that the Ahnaf generally. When they say the inshallah. Then right. They don't actually mean it. Wallah A'alam. <laughs> but, right, that's a discussion for another time. But we, if you know you're not going to do something, then tell the brother that I'm not going to come. Don't say, ah, you know, I'm going to see. But you already know before that. I'm not going to come. So tell the brother that I'm not going to come and excuse me for whatever reasons. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, fi <laughs> tisa'. كل الله أعلم بما لبثوا وغيب السماوات والأرض أبصر به وأسمع ما لهم من دونه ولا يشرك ولا يشرك في حكمه الله سبحانه وتعالى says and they stayed in the cave for three hundred solar years and nine for lunar years say Allah knows best how long they stayed with him. And this is the knowledge of the unseen, right, of the heavens and the earth. How clearly he sees and hears everything. Here, where they have no wali, no helper, disposer of affairs, protector, etc. Other than Allah Azza wa Jal. And he makes none to share in his decision and rule. So Here We Find That Having Forbidden The Prophet Peace Be Upon Him To Ask The People Of The Book About The Issue Of The People Of The Cave Because They Have No Knowledge Of That But Allah Is The Knower Of The Unseen And The Seen Allah Is The Knower Of All Things Right So It Tells Him How Long They Stayed There And States That The Knowledge Of That Is With Him Alone For This Is A Matter Of The Unseen Of The Heavens And The Earth And only Allah Azza wa has knowledge of the unseen thereof. What He has told us about it on the lips of the messengers is the certain truth concerning which there is no doubt. And whatever He did not inform His messengers of, no one in the creation can know it. Mm -hmm. And this subhanallah is the reality of things. That we follow that what qal Allah and wa Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and if there were any anbiya that had anything that informed us on certain things we accept this as well. There's something I would like to highlight here. I know time is going, but Alhamdulillah, it's fine. That um, there is something called isra'iliyat. Isra'iliyat is basically stories that from the previous nations. Right. The Prophet Sallallahu He informed us and he said that You can take from this right. But there are certain conditions That for example If it is contradicting to your belief To our aqidah and to our sharia Then it's, we don't take it If it coincides with what we believe and there's nothing contrary to the Quran and the Sunnah, you accept it. And the matters that the Quran and the Sunnah does not speak about, but they inform you and it doesn't contradict your belief system. Then, لا أُكَذِّبُ وَلَا أُصَدِّقُ We don't believe it, but we don't accept it as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. You will find a lot of these Israeliyat in certain tafsir books. Right, which obviously needs to be authenticated and checked, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Then Allah says in this verse, How well does he see? And how well does he hear? Allah Azza wa Jal is لَيْسَكَ مِثْلِهِ شَيْءٍ وَهُوَ basir. Right? None is like Allah Azza wa Jal, and He is the all hear the All-Seen. Can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala see? Yes, He can. Can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hear? Yes, He can. The kayfiyyah, the how of this, this only belongs to Allah, right? We don't know. So this is why the, the rule and the qaida that Imam Ali gave is a golden rule for any person that studies asma wa sifat. And he's on this methodology of the salafus salih, then this fits in anyway. When he was asked about istawa, when he was asked about Istawa, what does he say? Al-Istawa ma'lum That Istawa is known Wa-kaifiyyatu majhul But the how is unknown Wa-imanu bihi wajib But to believe in it is a compulsory act, it is wajib Wa-sualu anu bid'ah And to ask about the kaifiyya is a bid'ah Understand the difference? To ask Ainullah is not a bid'ah. To ask the kaifiyah about Ainullah is a bid'ah. So take some, right? Take hearing, right? Asam ma'lum wa kaifiyatu majhul wa imanu bi wajib wa su'alu anhu bid'ah. Basar, right? And you get the picture. So any sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can put it in this and it has the same, and Allah. Knows best, and the last verse for tonight, and a very amp verse that we can go into next week's lesson, which I'll explain later, and also into the month of Ramadan. What ma uhiya min kitab? Min la likalimatihi wa lan tajida Muldahada and recite what has been revealed to you O Muhammad of the book Right? and recitation is reading it is understanding it is following the teachings and the prohibitions the orders and it is to preach to Allah from Allah preach what Allah has taught to mankind La mubaddila li kalimatihi and none can change his words, وَلَن تَجِدَ مِن دُونِهِ مُلْتَحَدًا And none of you will find as a refuge other than Allah Taala. So recitation requires following in other words, follow what Allah has revealed to you by knowing and understanding the meanings of the book of Allah Taala. And this is extremely important, Right? That you need to know The book of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala in two ways In its ahkam yani In terms of its recitation In terms of its qira'at Right I honestly I find it Pathetic Right I find it extremely Hard to swallow The spell That someone he claims to be following the Quran And the sunnah Ala fahmi salaf, but he cannot recite the Quran properly That book that you are claiming That you are following But you don't give it his haq of his recitation Understanding it is one thing Implementing it is one thing But you don't give the haq That Allah's book deserves There is something wrong Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam recited the book He did not just practice on it He recited the book To Jibreel Every Ramadan And the last Ramadan How many times? Twice There's a hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Or ibn Abbas, one of them Where Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam told him to recite to him there's a hadith of other Sahaba where Rasulullah said that it is like their recitation is like the Mazamir of Dawood. Beautiful recitation. So I think it was Musa al-Ash'ari that he said that had I known you were listening to Rasulullah, I would have beautified my recitation even more. So there is that of recita- reciting the book of Allah as well. And if we don't master the recitation, and no one's saying you must be like Abdul Rahim Allah No one's saying you must be like or Muhammad Ayyub. May Allah be pleased with all of them. But at least read properly. You cannot want to stand here one day when there's no Imam, or there's no hafiz to lead the Salah, and you must lead, but you can't read Surah Fatiha properly. This is a problem. So the month of Ramadan is coming. And making. an... Effort to improve your recitation. Make an effort to recite better. And wallah, there's so many avenues to recite. There's people here that's willing to listen. Online, right? There's so many good Hufad, good qura that follows this manage that if you're strict on your manage and you can't learn by anyone else, it's a topic for another day, then you can still learn by them. But, improve your recitation, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us. Um, Next week, inshallah, we will have, right, we will still have a class, but not surah Al-Kahf. preparing for, or welcoming the month of Ramadan, bi ta'ala, and we will focus a bit on the recitation of the Quran, as well, during that Listen, and Alhamdulillah, also we've reached the end of the story of the people of the cave. What is the next story? Man of the Two Gardens. Man Time, right? And that will be when after Ramadan, right? So we can spend time with the Book of Allah Azza wa Jal. Subhanaka wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu as-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.